Hey, good morning. I'm Lance, pastor here, Falls Church. I remember when I was a kid how much I loved long, uh, the long summer light, you know. Uh, I was kind of an active outdoor kid, go to the park and uh, goof off. And, and uh, I remember playing basketball until, until uh almost 10 o'clock at night a few times, you know, like in the, in the middle of the summer. Uh, I remember when I was a little kid, the torture of the long summer night where it was still light out and your parents were making you go to bed. Like that, that didn't make sense, right? No, it was, it was, if kids ruled the world, that would never happen. The longest day of the year is between June 20th and June 22nd, depending you know, the solstice, it's a 24-hour cycle, so no matter what day it is, it's 12 hours of one day and 12 hours another day, usually it, usually around uh, June, between June 20th and June 22nd. I remember I had a college buddy that we started golfing together, and one time we golfed uh, around June, and, and then every year we tried to get together, and we called it our summer solstice golf day, so it would be the longest day of the year, and neither one of us were very good golfers, so we went for quantity over quality and we were both kind of really super competitive and we were both about the same level of bad golfers so you know if you could just beat the other guy by one stroke you know what I mean like it was like the U.S. Open kind of and we would go back and forth and through the years it was always like it seemed like we could golf a whole day and it would come down to the last putt and then the other one would uh, you know rub it in for a long time. And uh, one, one, one year we, we got an all-day, most times we try to get these golf courses that offer an all-day cart. So, but we did tee off one time in Larchwood, little golf course right by the farm, with a family farm. Teed off as the sun rose at 5.30 a.m. And the last hole we were driving on, we needed the headlights of somebody else's golf cart to spot our ball coming down the ninth hole. We golfed, we set the record for that little golf course in one day Morning till night, we got we played 120 holes. <laughs> what a waste! <laughs> Can I just honestly admit that? We we would joke about, hey, if we could pull off this summer solstice in Alaska. Here's a picture of a, a solstice celebration, uh, June 21st in Alaska at midnight. Does that look like, what a cool scene at midnight, you know? And that's as low as the sun gets and then then it starts moving its way back up again. Uh, but you you it's really cool, but I think what is it? December 20th is that the closest uh, around to December 20th, the winter solstice. So if you're in Alaska, in you got to pay it back in the middle of December. Like December 20th, the sun doesn't make it out either. The moon does that, you know, like, so uh, you, got, you got to pay back. That would be kind of brutal. Um, but we would joke about going to Alaska sometimes for our golf escapade, and we could golf 24 hours straight and until uh, one of us was injured. Um, so, but I, ha I haven't played golf now, and like, uh, I, didn't, I didn't make it out this year, uh, last fall even, I think last summer. Uh, it was around solstice. I didn't play a, I didn't, I didn't play a crazy day of golf last year, but I did golf last summer. I just didn't make it out this year, so I'm gonna have a good streak going, like 18 months. By the time, by the time the s the snow's gone and we're back to golfing weather again, I will probably get out about when. When will be the next really nice day? July 1st, <laughs> so, something like that, right? I'll be out there. I promise you. 
daylight, uh, there just seems to be more things to do. Uh, and sure, I'm sure we all have a good list of nighttime entertainment. We've got to come up with cold weather hobbies, indoor games that we like to do and things. If you're a family uh, preparing for a long, uh, cold winter, light uh, can affect your mood, right? Like we lived in Seattle six years in the Seattle area in Olympia, the capital, an hour from there. And we moved back to Sioux Falls after living in that climate for six years. And that's why my daughter Brianna still claims that she's a Seahawks fan. And, and Joan was, uh, w uh, had reminded me when we first moved back to South Dakota that Lana, you know, she was uh, middle school at the time, but she came back to South Dakota and said, it's so bright here. Like her eyes had been acclimated to such long, drizzly, overcast um, winters that uh, they say that although uh, Washington State is a mild culture, that, uh, climate, that they lead the country in sunglass purchases. And I think it's when you, your eyes just aren't used to it. So the few, when the sun does come out, you almost can't handle it kind of thing. Uh, but uh, they're used to the overcast clouds and um, probably foster a great environment for vampire culture as well, uh, if you know about Washington State and Forks and Twilight. Anyway, lack of sun can have a physiological and a psychological impact on you. Uh, Washington State also has the most suicides per capita in America. So to me, it, it can make sense. Like, like if you don't know the Lord and you're, and you're walking and what you know is what you sense, feel, and smell, this morning I want to talk to you about the power of light. And sometimes after you've studied the scripture and heard so many uh, messages through the years and you've been a part of a lot of Bible studies and and you're growing in your faith. It can be a challenge at times to figure out like some of the things you learn. How do I process this and how do I what what is God asking for me? And and from one week to the next week, sometimes you can feel like like God's challenging you this way and the pastor saying this. And then the next week is something else. How do I how do I implement this and what does God want from me exactly you know how can I make sure or I wish I had a little more confidence in how I'm I'm following God's principles how am I supposed to live out the truth you know when you hear about the the complexity of three God three gods in one the blend father son holy spirit or grace one week and and mercy the next and holiness and judgment of God and passion for Jesus and and exuberant worship and and silent deep contemplation you know what i mean you can feel like at times you're going through this spiritual like and you know but there are sometimes when jesus is clear distinct and what he is what he is saying is so doable for us and i believe this is one of those teachings as we continue last week we were in luke chapter 8 and i'm going to continue on about this little light of mine. What, what, if it, what if it isn't always about doing? What if, what if it's simply being? Strong, direct, doable, and clear accountability that Jesus calls us to, that those who shine will be rewarded and those who walk in darkness will remain in eternal darkness. He, 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 he begins this little challenge, and he's, he talks about it in Matthew too, but... And Luke records it like this. No one lights a lamp and hides it 
in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand that those who come in can see the light, right? That Jesus had just finished in Luke talking about the parable that we studied a few weeks ago about the farmer and the seeds and, and the good soil. And then he shifts the metaphor from seeds to light. And how can someone know if the word of God is growing and bearing fruit in them? Is, is light shining? It, he says no one puts it under, nobody lights a torch and puts it under their furniture. You, you light a torch probably to illuminate a space, a room, or an area. If you want darkness, you don't even ignite it. You don't light it. And, and you definitely don't turn on the lights. He goes on to say, no one lights a lamp, hides it in a clay jar, or under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand, and those who come in see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken for them from them. That this is not optional to be the light of the world. It it's factual. It's not just for the outgoing types or the personalities that, that are comfortable in a crowd or, or that are used to being up in front of people. With the light of Jesus in you, you radiate, radiant, you're radiant, you glow, you're God's torch, and you will burn for him. It's just a fact. And the only way to avoid it is by doing purposefully hiding it. Right. You have to do something. You have to. Uh, Jesus said you, no one does that. They don't take a light and put it under something or have a light and then try to try to put a lid on it. You have to try to limit the glow. You are the torch of God and he did not illuminate you with Jesus to bury the effect that this is not an arrogant statement. It's just the facts. And, and honest, honestly, it's. It's humbling to imagine that we are the vehicle of light to shine Jesus on a dark world. That, that we are chosen by him, his people, his bride, his family, his joy. Let me give you a hand up there, little, little girl, by the way, just in case there. I appreciate you. Thank you for serving today. But who can really know anything about God? Who can really understand the deepest spiritual problems that are destroying the nation? Honestly, we can. We have God's word instruction. The very deepest things about, an, about, a, about a mysterious, all-powerful God, we have the keys that have been unlocked through the word of God, through the spirit of God resting on us. That we can understand the deepest spiritual problems that are eroding our nation. How great a darkness that surrounds us. Who has a handle on how uh, to have a right relationship with God and the people around us? We do. We, the Jesus people, are chosen to represent him. We're God's spotlight. And it's hard to miss. And you don't have to do anything, but, the, but what you want to avoid is hiding it. <laughs> That's the thing. It's maybe maybe this is a message of what not to do. You know, that's pretty. 
That's, that's pretty easy. Like, don't hide it. Don't suppress it. Don't try to live, live in a way that no one notices. That it's, that it's pretty doable when Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Just, just to be the light. Will you stand with me? Lord, in the midst of all the things that we juggle in our life, we don't want our spiritual journey to be something that we're trying to, to, to manage and to, uh, we just want to walk in it, in your goodness, in your friendship, in the light, in the glory that, that you yourself said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill, you can't hide a whole city, but it shines so that all can see. And sometimes, Lord, that light, it's not welcomed. There's some that are walking in such great darkness that uh, they're already prepared uh, to cover their own eyes, to, co- to cover themselves because the light exposes the deeds of darkness. But we thank you for calling us out of that darkness into your great light. Light was an element created day one. By God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. The darkness cannot miss the light, and the only way you can hide the light that of God and he puts in you when you uh, turn over the lordship and the reins of your life to the to the spirit of Jesus is you have to suppress it to me that's an inspiring idea just be the light you know like be the light it it takes the effort it it's, should be effortless to be the light you can purposely refuse to stand up when challenged I was trying to think of what are some ways that you do suppress it? Well, there's opportunities to to speak up and to walk in in opposition to some of the trains of thoughts or conversations you're brought up in into. And you can purposely refuse to engage. You can continue to lead to yield to your flesh and deny deny the, the walk in the spirit of God. You can look another direction rather than looking towards God when you need help, when you feel the need for help. There's suppression techniques that can easily uh, we could use uh, without trying very hard as well. But Jesus said no one lights a lamp, hides it in a clay jar, puts it under bed. Instead, they put it on a stand and it brings light for there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever will be given more. uh Whoever does not have, whoever has, whoever has, excuse me, will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. That the light exposes the deeds of darkness, and nothing Jesus says is going to remain in darkness. Everything in the end will be brought out into the light. 
No one is getting away with anything. I know in our life we see corruption, we see disobedience, we see people that are kind of carving their own way, and you're trying to walk the narrow way. You're trying to deny the flesh. You're trying to yield to the Spirit of God. You're trying to say yes to Jesus throughout your life and, and no to the things of the world, and you're seeing other people in a sloppy way kind of, it looks like they're getting away with it, but no one's getting away with it because all things are going to come out to the open. And sometimes when we see evil uh, become wealthy around us or we see uh, ungodliness look like uh, an overflow of blessing in, in, in gifts, in, in, in talents, in, in time, in vacations, and, and, and nicer cars, we ponder the injustice at times. Or when we see liars being able to wiggle their way out of responsibility and it has a negative effect on us. And what we have to do, we think, ah, someone should make sure others know the truth about them or others know what's really going on. Or we see when, when, when there's a person who takes advantage of other people consistently and you kind of want to expose them or you want people to be protected from them. We resist being used and are, are disgusted that other people could be considered like collateral damage by a person who's just take, 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 and tell, 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 and boss, 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 boss. And we want, man, we want them to be exposed or seen for who they are. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. He's going to bring all things into the light. And the light will expose every evil desire of our human hearts. Does that mean us as the light of the world, as as believers in Jesus, that that we have it all together? Absolutely. No, no way. And those who know him, he knows and he gives. What's it say that Jesus says he's going to give them even more. Those who have get even more. And those who don't have the little things that they they think they're clinging on to that they do have are going to be taken away. Those who know him, he knows and he gives even more. More grace. That's why you say, oh, you have it all together? No, I've been forgiven. I've, I've found my salvation in Jesus, and now his grace is not only covering yesterday, it's current today, and it's going to be there for me in the future when I trip and stumble. I like how R.C. Sproul said, there are many things in my life that I do not want to put under the gaze of Christ. Yet I know there is nothing hidden from him. He knows me better than my wife knows me, and yet he loves me. This is the most amazing thing of all about God's grace. It will be one thing for him to love us if we could fool him into thinking that we are better than we actually are. But he knows better. He knows all there is to know about us, including those things that could destroy our reputation. He is minutely and acutely aware of every skeleton in every closet, and he loves you. Jesus says, there's nothing hidden that won't be brought out into the light. Nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Wow, that those who are close to him, he's going to give even they're going to get even more. How, how is that possible? Like 
to, to already have Christ and the treasure of this life, yet you, you finally find what real love is, and he's going to give you more love. You, you, you finally are beginning to understand the, the truth of the gospel, and you see things under God's revelation. He's going to give you more understanding even. He's gonna, we, we understand what grace is and how easy it is that he's going to give us more grace, that he's going to give us more rewards, that he's going to give more of the goodness of God for all eternity. And we have been given so much in Christ, and God says, you'll receive even more. Your heart for Jesus opens the door for past, current, and future blessings of God. Those who walk in darkness, those who only have the things of this earth, even what they have will be taken away. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, what, what, what does this mean? It means that if all you have are the things that you have accumulated and the life that you have built on this planet, if that's all you have, that in the end, that's all stripped away. So even just that little bit of earthliness, even that little bit of treasure on this earth that you're holding on to, or the awards or the accomplishments or the recognition, all the things that you could have human pride about what you've accomplished on this earth are going to be gone, and they're going to be stripped away, and then without Christ, all there is is bitter darkness for all eternity. It's even going to be worse. Jesus said in John chapter 8, when he spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid, meaning the situation is they brought Jesus in front of them to judge what he's saying. And there's a group of elders that are, it's almost like a court that Jesus is standing in front of them. And they're saying, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm, where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I, Jesus says, but if I would judge, I have a right to judge. If I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it's written, the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? And Jesus said, you don't know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. And where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, where will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I where I go, you cannot come? And he continued, you're from below and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much more to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. 
They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I am. I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. They couldn't see the light when it was right in front of them, declaring, I am the light of the world in the midst of darkness. And I get it. Like the spirit of the Lord, the revelation of who Jesus is, his own disciples were confused. Those that were near him were trying to figure out like, wow, this is all like too deep for us. You know, and there are a lot of times when when uh, Jesus argues that in, in a way and he he talks in a way that I, I could never picture myself. But this there's a little tiny few phrases in this dialogue that I kind of go. Hey, if I was Jesus, I would probably I would probably wouldn't mind messing with their brains a little bit, you know, like, yeah. You know, but Jesus was divinely pure in how he was. I, I wouldn't be that way. But I but I could see being in a little argument here and, and where Jesus saying, I know what the law says. There's got to be two witnesses for someone's testimony to be believed. And let me tell you, I'm one and I have another witness who's the most credible witness in all history. Who is that? God above. He's my father, you know, and they're going like, what? Yeah, well, this doesn't compute, right? Me and my heavenly father. Those are the two witnesses. Me, myself, and I, Jesus could have said, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Me, myself, and I, those are the witnesses. Take that. And Jesus says, when all things are completed in, 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 this, in this, uh, this rant a little bit with the Pharisees, he said, you'll see when, when the Son of Man is lifted up. And I don't think he's talking about the resurrection because he said, he'd already said, you won't believe even if somebody raises from the dead. But he's talking about it at the very end. That light will expose the deeds of darkness. And that very end is happening. It's, it's coming really fast. It's coming really fast. I'm 55 years old, and the last 37 years have flown by like a snap. Carmen, I remember when I, when I looked as young as you are now. I knew Carmen when she was a teenager. She's like stuck in a time capsule. She still looks like a teenager. But those 37 years for me have flown by, and now... I have hair where I don't want to have hair, and I have I can't have hair where I want hair. It's really time has been moving slow before I knew Jesus. I remember those Sunday afternoons when I was like, nothing's on TV. There's nothing to do. And I remember sitting in class at school and I was watching that clock. Tick, tick, tick. Will science ever be over? Tick. How many more minutes? Here's the second. This is the second hand I'm seeing move. And then I found Christ. I'm not kidding you. It feels like since I've known the Lord and the wisdom of heaven imparted into my life and an opportunity part, it feels like time is just flying by. And very soon we'll stand before the Lord. And Jesus, the Son of God, will be seated at the right hand of the Father. And I don't know how it's all going to play out. It's going to be beyond our imagination. But we will have to stand before God and give an account for our life, good or bad, 
It's in our hearts. And I hope when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that Jesus stands up for you. And that the charges against you, that he stands between your sin and the father and says, I've covered him. I've covered her. She's my child. He's my he's my son. Paul argued in God's word, according to Romans 16, but glory, honor and peace for everyone who does good. First to the Jew and to the Gentile, for God doesn't show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law and all who sin under law will be judged by the law. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares that God doesn't show favoritism that but God has favorites. That's the cool thing. God has favorites, his people, his children. He has a favor that rests upon you, that you are his favorite. But he doesn't show favoritism. He wants the world to become his favorites. He wants the world to become his children in right relationship with him. He desires that everyone confesses their sin and follows him and puts their faith in him and gets in uh, this reconciliation with God, that your sins are covered by him. And it's not just us. God's heart is that none would perish. No, not one. Let the light shine through your life. But the light will expose the deeds of darkness. I had a bunch of other scriptures that I'm not going to read at this time. Will you stand with me? Paul did say, judge nothing before its appointed time. Those things hidden in darkness will expose the motives of the heart. Lord, we thank you for bringing us into the light. That we're no longer walking in darkness clueless in the world. And would you help us today, Lord, just to be for you? We thank you for the Holy Spirit power and presence. And we pray that you would today help us to, to be. The enemy is going to want us to kind of conceal and cover up and hide in the shadows. But, Lord, may your spirit call us out of darkness and to walk in the light as you are in the light. Wow. Simple, clear, but profound. I thank you, Lord, for the highest calling. Being a child of God. We thank you for your favor resting upon us. And may we walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you.